0: It's Valerie Vili, and the V is for victorious. An Olympic
1: champion, representing New Zealand. That's the Valerie Adams we all know, the champion shot-putter who wins and wins and wins. Valerie Vili. But as she dedicated all those years to training and competing, reaching for perfection, something else was happening to her body.
0: Now, I didn't realise I had a whole bunch of shit happening in there. Both of my kids are by IVF. Yeah. I'm very blessed to be able to afford IVF, but if I'd left it a year later, I would have been done. That, that would have been it.
1: Now she's opening up about something very personal.
0: So, you know, we'd gone through one cycle and they didn't quite know why it wasn't happening and I wasn't producing any eggs and all the rest of it. And, mm. um That's when the tests and stuff come afterwards, and then found out I was actually riddled with endometriosis. Mm.
1: Sharing her extraordinary story is a warning to other female athletes.
0: One thing I have learned through this journey for myself in particular that I really want to share is, in fact, for female athletes who, whether they're in a relationship or not, but if they want to be a mum, go and get some tests done.
1: I'm Sharon Brett Kelly, and today on The Detail, I talked to newsroom Suzanne McFadden for her groundbreaking locker room series on elite female athletes and their bodies. The tricky stuff periods, having babies, how to be mums, and top sportswomen. And Suzanne couldn't have done it without talking to Dame Valerie. She was so
2: honest and frank and open. I still say I couldn't have done a series without her voice in it because. She's the iconic mum athlete. She's the one we all look to. And, you know, she is one of a kind, really. But at the same time, she's a great role model to female athletes who may want to have children and come back. Because, you know, it just has, it's, it's something that hasn't happened two, three decades ago. We didn't see this. There might be the odd netballer who made it come back after they had a child but really you finished your career around 27 28 so that you could start a family and you didn't come back but with professionalism that makes it easier for women to come back the maternity policies of these sports who have them you know they can have a person come with them when they travel who can look after the child <clears throat> they have accommodation as well both mum and child are looked after Which is fantastic because the other thing that we're going to find out in the series is that a lot of women come back stronger
1: after they've had children. And that's fascinating too. Why did you decide to look into this issue of top female athletes, pregnancy and motherhood? Uh, I actually went to Sarah
2: Cowley-Ross,
1: who was an
2: Olympic heptathlete for New Zealand, And she's one of our contributing writers at Locker Room. But she's also head of the New Zealand Olympic Athletes Commission. So I asked her, what is the burning issue for women in sport right now? And she said pregnancy. Did that surprise you? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, because it's something that we don't really talk a lot about. And until an athlete retires and... and a lot of them retire, saying, "You know, they're starting a family," or when athletes have a baby and come back. But otherwise, there's very little spoken about it. You know? is that,
1: do you think that's because we feel we shouldn't talk about it? You know, it's it's not the thing to say to somebody, "Are you are you going to have a baby?" or "When are you going to have a baby?"
2: Yeah, because it is a very personal decision, isn't it? And you know, there are cases, especially in sport, as we're finding out in this series, where women aren't able to have children or have to have uh, fertility treatment to get pregnant. So it is, it's a very sensitive subject, but it became more and more obvious that it needed to be talked about because there's a message that needs to go out to sports, to athletes, to coaches, to parents, that girls who are serious about sport or serious about even recreational activity need to start thinking in their teenage years about their menstrual cycles and they need to talk to people about them. In their teenage years. Yeah. We're seeing now a lot of teenage girls who are heading off overseas, well, before all this COVID happened, but heading off overseas to start professional careers or, or, yeah, to play for sports clubs or to go to universities in the States on scholarships and they're not having their periods. And it's... It's because in a lot of cases, low energy availability, which means they're not eating enough food for the energy that they're putting out. And, you know, some girls will think that's great that they don't have their periods. It's a hassle. And, you know, what happens when if they're going to run in a 100 metre race that, you know, at a national championships and they suddenly get their period on that morning? So it's an issue that really hasn't been discussed between athletes and coaches before. mm But that issue of low energy availability, or it's also known as Red S syndrome.
1: Why is it called Red S syndrome? Well, it's
2: the initials of relative energy deficiency in sport. So it's that not getting the balance right of energy coming in and energy going out. And there's a lot of consequences of that. Infertility is one of them. There's also brittle bones, psychological disturbances, cardiovascular problems, it's becoming more and more prevalent in young women. And it was interesting talking to Dr. Megan Ogilvie at Fertility Associates saying that most of the women who are coming in that they're seeing with problems in their reproductive cycles are either
1: on the cusp of or have red S. So is it basically that there's not enough fat in the body? Yeah, yeah, exactly that. It's called a hypothalamic amenorrhea, where periods stop because the hormones needed for reproduction are not produced. Here's gynecologist Dr. Petra Casey from
0: America's famous Mayo Clinic. The trigger for that has been studied, and it's a little still unclear whether it's body fat percentage, whether it's weight, whether it's cortisol levels that stimulate decrease in GNRH, Um, based on stress and the intensity of workouts. All of that is a little bit unclear, but at the end of the day, a woman will not have her period if she is too lean and she may be working out too intensely, too long. Um, Many women athletes are trying to actually become quite lean because in endurance sports, it's advantageous to be lighter.
2: For a long time, we've told girls, and especially in teenage girls, eat less, be more active, be healthy. Whereas now doctors, especially in this fertility area, are saying, no, we've got to reverse that. If you're going to be really active, you have to eat to keep up with that.
1: When you started looking into it for this series, where did you go first? I went to individual sports that I knew now
2: have maternity policies, so rugby, cricket and netball. They're leading the way and uh, looking after their athletes who want to get pregnant or are pregnant or even have had a child and coming back. I went to a group called Whisper, which is a whole lot of medical experts who specialise in female health and sport. And so they've they've come together and formed this group, which is fantastic because they're going to do a lot of work in schools and with sports with young women about, you know, just their general health. Because um, I love Dr Stacey Sims says, you know, women aren't small men. We can't continue to treat our sportswomen like they're sports men. They're a hell of a lot different especially when they're in competition. So there are a lot of people out there who want to talk about
1: it. It's just a matter of asking. With Dame Valerie's story, there's great video of her lifting those enormous weights and she's 20 weeks pregnant.
2: And, you know, she got a lot of negative feedback. People very critical on social media about her doing that and endangering her baby and endangering herself. But as she says, she's not doing anything different.
0: My body is used to doing this. It's nothing new. Yeah. Everything was very modified and very light. And it was just a matter of continuing to move my body within range.
2: And Athletics New Zealand made sure that she had the right people around her during her pregnancy. So she could continue training. I mean, she trained the day before she had her son. Wow. <laughs> it just seems crazy. Yeah. But her body... Knew how to handle it. That muscle memory was
1: there. But the thing is that she actually had trouble getting pregnant. She had to go through the IVF program. And there's quite a lot that she found out about her body as she was going through
0: it. It's no fault of my own that I ended up Mm. with endometriosis apart from bad genetics.
2: She'd had a lot of pain with her periods, especially in the last Five years, uh, When she was training in Switzerland, she'd lift a weight and then she'd fall onto the floor and curl up in a ball. The pain was so bad. But some women are led to believe that that's normal, that pain with your periods is normal, and it's not. And so it wasn't until she had her first round of IVF and it didn't work that they discovered that she had endometriosis. As she said, she was riddled with it. And so they decided to try a longer, stronger dose of fertility drugs in a second IVF cycle. She was fortunate in that second round of IVF that they harvested seven eggs. and
0: From the first implantation, they put two in and one survived, which was kimwana. So yeah. we had two in the freezer. In the second implantation, they put two in, one survived, and that was my son. She
2: knows how lucky she is and that's it. She's not having any more. She's done.
1: And now she's spreading the word about being a mum athlete. Here she is talking to Anika Moore.
0: What feels better, having a baby or winning a gold medal? Having a baby. Hands down. Sure? Yeah, positive. I'll have give mine any day. I'll get rid of every single gold medal I've ever won and have baby any day.
2: You know, it's really amazing because she you know, now is living in Christchurch for three weeks of the month, and then comes home to Auckland to her family. And her wonderful mum-in-law is helping to look after the children while she's away. But as a family, they know that this is probably her last Olympics, this is probably her last big event, and they'll do everything they can to make sure that she's in the best condition possible to go for another gold medal.
1: But did I read it right that she's in Christchurch for three weeks and she basically comes back to Auckland when she's got her period?
2: Yeah, yeah. So she's doing training around her menstrual cycle for the very first time and she's loving it. And so she's, with the help of her coach, Dale Stevenson, they found that in the first two weeks after her period, she goes really hard and strong. That's real strength and conditioning. And the third week is kind of tapering off and learning new stuff. And then that fourth week is when she gets her period. And that's when she comes home and she doesn't stop training, but it's, it's lighter training and she gets to spend
1: time with her family. And so far, she's loving it. Why doesn't she go on medication that stops her period? If she's not going to have any more children, why does she go through that natural cycle Why doesn't she opt for something that would be, you'd think, easier on her? I think part of that menstrual cycle training is that you
2: get strength out of that. And if she was on the pill, that would, you know, dampen it down and maybe reduce what she can get out of it. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, I'd love to. I want, you know, that's another thing that I really want to go into is that it's becoming quite more mainstream now that athletes are
1: doing their training, female athletes around their menstrual cycles. Are they? Yeah. What is also amazing is that it's 2020, and this is only really being found out about now, isn't it? I mean, when you think about all the medicine and all the research that goes into sport, why is it only now that the top female athletes are finding out more about their bodies and, and how to train? I know, it's really surprising, eh? And
2: the word period has been taboo. In sports teams for decades, and now finally, with the help of sports physicians and and sports physios and the coaches, are coming to terms with being able to to talk about it. Some of them, you know, still can't talk to the athlete about it, but they can talk to the medical people about it and say, you know, um, why didn't she do so well this week? Oh, that's because she's in this part of her cycle. You know, The other thing is that we're getting more female coaches at that top level who have been there, lived with it, and are able to talk about it. So as more female coaches come into prominence at the top of sports ladders, um, I think we'll see a lot more understanding.
1: The other lovely story that you've got is the one... Uh, with Les Elder, who's the former Black Ferns captain. She trains at Blake Park at Mount Maunganui. And uh, while she's training, she's keeping her eye on her house across the road. Yeah. Explain why. Les has just had a daughter, Mahitereana.
2: It's her first child, born through IVF. Uh, and Les decided to come back to rugby pretty soon after having her daughter. Uh, And her house is across the road from Blake Park, which is fantastic for her to to get to training and games with the Bay of Plenty volcanics. But she keeps one eye on there when she's training because if she sees the lights flashing on and off in the lounge window, it means it's time to come home and feed the baby. So her husband, Johnny, will flick the lights (laughs) like Morse code and she'll run across the park, go and feed the baby and then run back to training. So it's these amazing stories coming out of what um, athlete mums do to make it work. And there is no style book or no guidebook with this. Um, a lot of athletes are going blindly into having children and returning. And that's another thing that Liz talks about is that she had to kind of make her own rule book as she went along with her pregnancy and then afterwards. Uh, but now athletes around the world are contacting her and saying, how did you do it? Can really? you, Yeah. Can you draw us up a plan of how you did it?
1: In terms of what? That going through the treatment, getting pregnant and still... Doing her sport? Yes, yeah. So like Dame Val, you know, continuing
2: to train up to a certain point. Obviously in rugby the tackling was out, the contact part of the game was out, but she was still able to do you know, weight training and strength and conditioning. And then afterwards, of course, that's, you know, an area too that needs a lot of attention. You know, you can't just um, start running two weeks after you've had a baby. Mm. But it's very hard to find what's the best way to do it. So some of it, some women have been doing it trial and error. She also works at Bay of Plenty Rugby and her job is developing female players. So she's in this perfect position to pass on everything that she's learned, especially around her menstrual cycle, and and pass it on to these young women. With the same message that Dame Val gives, is that no matter how young you are, if you want to have a family one day, have the tests now. Find out now, you know, if, if you have endometriosis or if you have polycystic ovaries, anything that may impact later on your fertility, it's best to know now.
0: And does that mean we stop searching on trying to have a kid? No, we don't. There are options yeah. out there. However, they're not exposed to those options. So I use my platform to reach out to a lot of PI people and I have had a few people contact me privately to ask me where I've gone, what I've done, all the rest of them just share their story. Their, their stories and awesomely you know we've had two who have been successful which was a massive thing for me.
2: It's really hard to convince a 17 or 18 year old to start thinking about babies and nobody's telling them you have a baby now mm. but more how is your health, you know, how is your reproductive health? And I, I think it's, it's not just in sport. I think it's for all young women. I mean, I had endometriosis, still have it. And if I'd known more when I was younger, you know, it would have taken away a lot of pain and heartache, I think. So my message, too, is exactly the same as them. Young women, look after your, yourselves, your health, your reproductive health, if you want to have children later on.
1: Is New Zealand leading the way in this area? Yeah, I think we are, and and
2: I, when you talk to some of the women medical experts involved in this area, they go to conferences in the states, and and they're told, yeah, New Zealand, you are leading the way, especially this idea of having a group of of medical experts together and working, you know, pulling everybody together to work on female health.
1: And do you think it's going to change how female athletes, these top athletes, manage their whole, the reproductive thing and and taking the pill? Because Mm. there's been the belief for years and years and years, just take the pill, you skip your period, and then you you know, you can do anything. You don't have to worry about all the pain and exactly. all the other, you know, the discomfort of it all. And you is can see a, why yeah. athletes would want to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. that's all changing now. That because is. people are finding out that actually the natural cycle is good mm. for, for your sport. Yes. But also that, you know, the pill can mask problems
2: with reproductive health but it also can make it very hard once you stop taking the pill to get back to an ovulatory cycle so that way you're releasing eggs each month Mm. and you know that in some cases that can take two or three years to build up again and you know some women they've stopped you know in their mid-30s playing sport you know come off the pill want to start a family but it's going to be a couple of years down the track before they can. And it makes it, you know, if you wanted to have three children, that makes it, you know, not impossible, but really, really difficult. So, and, and you know, a lot of people m- may disagree with us that, you know, it's it's better not to be on the pill. Mm. Um, but, of course, you know, endometriosis sufferers in some cases help like um, a marina IED just makes life easier for them so that they can compete
1: without that, you know, repeated pain every month. In your story, you're saying that the pioneering American runner, Catherine Switzer, who now lives in New Zealand, was warned by a doctor in the 1960s that her uterus would fall out if she tried to run a marathon and she ignored him and mm. all her internal organs remained intact. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but in a way, I mean, maybe doctors were right in a way that, that sport is bad for women. You know, given what you've talked about here. Yeah, um, I, I think
2: in a different way. You mm. know, your body parts aren't going to accidentally fall out if you jump or run. Because, you know, Catherine became the first woman to officially run the Boston Marathon. And she loves recounting that story. <laughs> <laughs> but you need to probably be better managed as athletes,
1: as women, You've got another two stories in this series and one of those stories is about... When mums come back, the mum back is called. Mum it. back.
2: <laughs> yeah. This is when athletes have had children and, and decide to come back into sport and how easy or difficult that is, what sports do to help those athletes. So in cricket, rugby and netball, you can now have a person travel with you if you go even internally in New Zealand or in the hope that one day we'd get to travel again overseas, that person can travel with you to look after your child. And the lovely thing that comes out of that is that that baby becomes very special part of that team. The, the mum athletes talk about when they've had a bad day out in the middle, their cricketers, they come back in and here's this baby and it no longer matters that they didn't score...
1: You know, a century, what matters is the baby in front of them. Irene Van Dyke, the famous Silver Ferns shooter, she had a child when she was still on the team, a daughter. Was she a pioneer in this area?
2: Yeah, Bianca was born in South Africa, and when Irene was playing for the Proteas, and essentially she and her husband wanted their daughter to have a better life, so they came to New Zealand. And, yes, she was a pioneer in a mum coming back, very top-level netball. And as we know, Irene got better from year to year. She went from strength to strength. After she had her daughter. Yeah, and she was constantly learning. And, you know, you wonder whether part of that was because, you know, you're constantly learning as a mum and you're open to learning. Yeah, she's been a fantastic role model. For mums out there, and there's you know there's a few, uh, Amelia Anne Ekanasio, the current Silver Ferns captain as a mum. Um, it was really interesting that most of the athletes that I talked to for this, the mum athletes, were captains. So how they managed to do that and be a parent is quite extraordinary. In some cases, these women come back stronger physically as well as stronger mentally and my favorite thing that comes out of it and all mothers will not already know this is that your time management is so so much better and your priorities are different and you know your family probably is more important than scoring a goal in a
1: test match. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, leave us a rating so other people can find us too. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell with Jesse Chang as the associate producer. And thanks to Suzanne McFadden. Ka kite anō.